Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datter, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call, quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour. Did it pick up on that okay? Yep. That's working. That were good. I was about to say, it'd be a shame if that were missed. Oh no, I wasn't recording at that point. I was just testing the microphone. Let me do it again. La 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 la. Hoi hoi. Yeah. Beautiful. Started Mexican, went a little bit Russian at the end. Fair enough. How you getting on? La 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 la. I'm all right. I'm slightly manic. The baby shat all over me. <laughs> I'm slightly manic the baby shat does that usually cause you to go manic um, it does when you're trying to bath the baby <laughs> oh nice and uh, yes the baby did a poo and I um, in the bath no she used to do that she stopped doing that that was a fun time from three months no she uh, I was about to, I was taking her nappy off and she did a kind of a rolling lunge which involved her kind of grabbing at her nappy with her hands and sticking her hand right down it and then yeah. bringing her legs up and then basically catapulting the nappy off her <laughs> with her feet. Nice. So then at that point, there was poo on her hands and feet. Uh, then she rolled over and tried to crawl away from her changing mat, at which point I on picked... On the cream carpet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is actually a cream carpet in that room. And uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, at that point, I whipped her up and picked her up, and she started just kicking and punching me with her pooey hands. <laughs> so I got poo, nice. all, poo all over me. At which and point, you've got a beard. And I've got a beard. And then I couldn't put her down again. <laughs> Because everything was covered in poo, including the baby, so I had to try and kind of like, like hold her up and just wipe wherever I could see and find, um, and just hope that there was poo there. Fortunately, there was poo there. There was just poo everywhere, and uh, that's where you need a decontamination zone that you can throw them in. <laughs> well, I'd run the bath. And so <laughs> yeah, and so a decontamination zone where they can't drown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, picky. <laughs> brings brings back memories. <laughs> of last week when you came home so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything interesting happened since Monday that the audience should know um, about? Um mowed the lawns. Nice. Staked some tomatoes. So so no then. <laughs> hoed. I hoed my garden. Did you? Makes yeah. it makes a change from hoeing up and the, down we, the high street. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> His life is boring. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I haven't got anything. I've anything when you're of, a tomato growing whore. <laughs> I've got nothing interesting to say. This is me. <laughs> yeah. This is all I've got. Well, hopefully, you've got something amusing for the podcast. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to rely on that this week. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Nora. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom... Hello. ...stay-at-home dad, tomato grower and surprisingly cheap prostitute. And Sam, over here, can't grow a tomato but you can't afford me. Discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme the week in advance but everything else that happens is a surprise. I keep on saying a week in advance. It's two weeks in advance. Uh, what's our topic this week, Tom? Uh, glass, glass, glass. Glass. This is the topic this week. I almost gave away what I'm doing, but it's is just it, glass. Is it glass? It is to do with glass. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah. Um, it is to do with glass. You're... Otherwise, it wouldn't be on topic. We, the patrons <laughs> already the know time. what you're going to do. No, I anyway. edited it out. 
Oh, did you? Yes. Yeah, okay, clearly, clearly you listened to it carefully before I sent it to you for checking. I, 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 I don't listen for the things that aren't in there. Um, <laughs> so, what... Hey, Have you got any audience feedback, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We do. We've got a couple of pieces of feedback, actually, but one of them I don't want to mention just yet because it's connected to my choice for this week because it was inspired oh, okay. by, um, by a patron. Ah, Interesting. We did have a message from Craig. I think that was via the website. Thank you, Craig. He says, hello, I'm from Australia and I've been listening for about a month, maybe, maybe more. i got to say, you two are funny as fuck. I'm going through the entire catalogue of your podcasts, but I just want to say thanks for making me laugh every day. Aww. Sincerely, a very sick-minded, visually impaired individual. <laughs> well, I don't know which bits of sick-minded and visually impaired, if any, were a joke. Um, but hello, you <laughs> blind psycho. <laughs> It's a pleasure to have you on board. <laughs> Mr. Magoo meets Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> nice. Uh, the slasher who can't see where he's what he's slashing. <laughs> Silence of the guide dogs. <laughs> Sorry, this is awfully politically incorrect. Just seven minutes into the recording, I, I'm fairly sure Craig was setting us up for it. I think, I think that, to be honest, yes. <laughs> I think this is what he wanted. I think this is what Craig was gunning for, and we're giving him what he wants. <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah. It's going to end up like that person who I think was asking nicely <laughs> how to find <laughs> our stuff, yeah, but they called us idiots, and you told him to <laughs> go fuck himself. <laughs> Hello, Piotta, if you're listening. That's, that's my own special brand of custom service. <laughs> it is indeed. can't imagine why you didn't last at Waitrose. <laughs> Marvellous. <laughs> or oh, if, if, if I'd have been myself at Waitrose. Well, it lasted a day, some of the customers we had. <laughs> Clean up on all two. <laughs> right, um, any other feedback? Uh, no, that's it. Did I ever read, <laughs> did I ever tell you about the feedback we got on Instagram? Do you ever check Instagram for, for messages? No, I don't. I don't. What oh, did we get well, crikey. This was a couple of weeks ago, so apologies if we didn't read it out and you're getting a double shout out if we did. Um, I can't remember because this isn't the bit of the podcast that I usually deal with, frankly. But we had a message from, he uh, says, slyly loading it up and filling and waffling say, whilst it loads. I feel like I should look it up now. This is uh, from Matt. Uh, hello, who, Matt. Hello, Matt, who texted us on the 10th of June, so <laughs> six weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> is this where I do suggestions? I'm from Kansas and we just got internet on this week's wagon caravan. Anywho, there might be something from the bit in the Italian Renaissance period where prestigious <laughs> families would kidnap talented choir children to promote their church as the best, whilst also bribing bishops and taking over churches for their gains. That sounds very Italian Renaissance. <laughs> sounds like a game of chess, doesn't it? So yes, that's a that's a, a great suggestion actually, Matt. Thank you, the Italian Renaissance. I think there's lots of fun we could have in there. In the last patron episode, I talked about a drinking game that was very popular in the Italian Renaissance, Passatella. So Renaissance, namely uh, families misbehaving. I'm, I'm noting it down. Sweet, namely, it's on the list. Rich families misbehaving. Okay, good. Right, I got that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Something from Kansas. Well, actually, there's two topics there, aren't there? Yeah. Italy's a great topic. The Renaissance is a great topic. And rich families behaving badly is a, a vein we've mined before in a roundabout way. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll have all of those. Yeah, triple hitter, Matt. Well done. Whose turn is it to go first, then? It's my turn to go first this week. Oh, what a treat. Uh, yes, what a treat for the audience. Especially if they don't like sources, because I very, rare, very rarely use them. If you don't like history, but you like a cracking yarn. 
I like sauces. Hurt, hurt, tomato ketchup. Hurt, hurt. Hurt, hurt, hurt. See what I did there? Yes. Ovid relish? Mmm. Trying to think of uh, sauce and condiment related puns. So am I now. Yes. Cicero Chipotle? Uh, yes. Hmm. <laughs> Michelangelo mayonnaise? Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, whilst you think of that, I'm going to start talking because I feel like we've worked our way into a comedy cul-de-sac here. <laughs> Kato, Kato Chup. No, it's not getting better. <laughs> Catilla on chips. No. Uh, well, Tom, uh, I'm only covering the topic really in a roundabout way this week, uh, but there are lenses... Mustard the lesser. <laughs> and mustard the elder. Jeffrey Saucer. Mm. <laughs> 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 right. Um, oh no. Um, <laughs> <how about> <laughs> the venerable tomato. <laughs> the venerable bean salsa. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. It's too good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is my problem. That is my issue. Oh, the venerable tomato. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, God. Right. Uh, <laughs> this week, Tom, I'm talking telescopes and then going through the looking glass with one of the greatest newspaper hoaxes of all time. Had to get the word glass in there at least once. Uh, it's... I was, funnily enough, I was actually tempted to go down the Lewis Carroll route. Cause, Were uh, you? Yeah. Because he, he wore glasses. Case. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, through the looking glass, obviously. Yes. One of his Alice in Wonderland books. I think it's the yes. sequel, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, interrupted. No, I did, uh, I did think uh, I, I considered it myself. It's a relatively well-known story, this one, I think, but it is worth talking about because it's suitably ridiculous and it is very, very funny. I'm going to talk this week, Tom, about the Great Moon Hoax of August 1835, a series of satirical news articles which set the world ablaze and had absolutely no grounding whatsoever in any kind of fact. <laughs> but of course, people being idiots, no one really questioned it. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, considering the story was utter horseshit, it was published in a newspaper called The Sun. Oh, really? Yes. The Sun? Or... Uh, the New York Sun, or The right. Sun of New York. And... It centred around the supposed discovery of life on the moon by world-famous and very real English astronomer Sir John Herschel, all thanks to his fantastic new telescope and its very powerful lenses, which are made of glass, and that's how we've hit the topic. That's the that's okay. <laughs> so the story was teed up in the days before it was published to encourage excitement among readers of the paper, uh, which claimed that The Sun had bought an exclusive from fellow Scottish paper The Edinburgh Courant, uh, sorry, that's the uh, Edinburgh Courant, which is the Edinburgh Raisin in a Scottish accent. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, very yeah. exotic porridge for a <laughs> <Yeah>. Scotsman. <laughs> yeah. All right, lad, you're going to stick a bit of nutmeg in there, are you? Yeah, oh, laddy die. Who made you <laughs> king of wankers? <laughs> hey, look at you with your milk. I look at you. I like water out of a ditch. <laughs> yeah. No porridge. Raisins. The closest I get to that is Buckfast. <laughs> Which I think once saw a grate before someone filled it with fucking coffee. Sorry, I mispronounced it. <laughs> but farts. <laughs> Little Winnets. <laughs> oh no. Not the McWinnets. <laughs> oh no. The McNuggets. <laughs> the clans of the Highlands. <laughs> the clan the McNuggets. The McWinnets and the McNuggets. <laughs> 
have their own special tartan, very soiled. You're <laughs> very brown. <laughs> brown with yellow streaks. <laughs> they come from the lowlands. <laughs> Between the two... In the valleys. <laughs> Between the two hills. <laughs> Where there's a dirty creek. Okay, yeah, yes. <laughs> they come from the town of Perineum, <laughs> which is a little north of Berwick upon Tweed. <laughs> um, anyway, Tom, you know that Scotsmen can't get skid marks because they don't wear pants or underwear. <laughs> well, they they can, but unfortunately, those skid marks are on the sofa. <laughs> They're on the bus seat. <laughs> <laughs> What is this? We're talking about Scotland. All of the bus seats have skid marks on them. That's yeah, a given. That's true, yes. <laughs> um, so, so, yes, uh, the paper apparently brought the story from the Edinburgh Current, a paper which had actually existed but hadn't published in nearly 100 years. Uh, but this was 1835, and the chances of anyone knowing that were very slim. The article claimed to have been written by one Dr Andrew Grant, the totally fictitious assistant and travelling friend of Herschel. Together, the pair had built an immense new telescope on the Cape of Good Hope in Africa, with lenses more accurate and powerful than any ever built before. How convenient that it's really, really far away. Yes, although it it should be said actually that this bit was slightly grounded in truth because Herschel was... (laughs) on the Cape of Good Hope in Africa at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, because of its incredibly clear skies and uh, excellent view of the Milky Way. Good knowledge. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's almost as if I researched my story. So the image was further enhanced by them being passed through what the paper called an oxygen-hydrogen microscoping technique, uh, essentially <laughs> yeah, okay. looking at it through water. <laughs> the article was absolutely full of nonsense techno babble, made to sound like Star Trek that was just <laughs> meant absolutely nothing or a l'oreal advert <laughs> yes absolutely yes with with, with cheek plumping technology <laughs> it's got anti-sag it's got micro beads <laughs> and royal jelly <laughs> which is like regular jelly uh, but made with corgis <laughs> and racism um, so all of it was obviously Star Trek techno babble and utter nonsense. But the articles claimed that the telescope, with its fantastic lenses and uh, oxygen-hydrogen microscoping technology, could magnify an image 42,000 times without distorting it. Powerful enough, allegedly, to see the tiny violinist that played when Piers Morgan <laughs> lost his US chat show. How that man still gets work, I do not know. I'd n- I've never met anyone who likes him. But then, I don't work on building sites. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> well, the thing, the weird thing is, it's a like he is an utter scumbag who hacked dead children's phones, but um, <laughs> redeeming quality. All the people he's fallen out with in public, so Gary Lineker and Alan Sugar and people like that, apparently they all quite like him off air. He invites them round for dinner and round to his Christmas party every year. And actually, apparently, in in real life, off air, he's very affable and a, a lovely man to hang around I've, with. I've always been suspicious. He is still a scumbag. But <laughs> I've always been suspicious that his social media spats are staged. Yeah, I don't know if they're both if both sides are in on them. I suspect not. Like, Jeremy Clarkson very definitely did punch him. Oh, did he? <laughs> in real life. Oh, that's a fight yeah, I'd yeah. love to see. Two people I don't like. <laughs> oh, you... Yeah, yeah, watch on, watch on YouTube. <laughs> Is that right? I'm pretty sure there's, pretty sure there's oh, film of it, yeah. Oh, going now. <laughs> Sorry, recording, but you can wait. Um, it's all right, I need to top my drink. Here's anyway. Morgan being punched by Jeremy... Clarkson. I think there's video of it. Videos. It definitely happened. 
Oh, I can hear one of your hemorrhoids about to pop, son. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> I can't find footage of it. This is very, very, very disappointing. I'm going to see lots uh, of videos. Maybe, maybe there isn't footage it. of it. Oh, uh, sorry. Unless it just got taken down. <laughs> I, I suspect it's one of those very disappointing old man punches. I suspect so. It's very, very slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just a uh, oh yeah, but the amount of the amount of middle age spread behind it gives it quite the momentum, even if it isn't high speed. <laughs> it's like being like being hit by an oil tanker. Like being hit by an oil tanker. Have that. <laughs> Boom. And your chin is gone. <laughs> Um, but I, but I digress, Tom. But I digress. With this incredible microscope, they had discovered Tom apparently some incredible things, according to the Sun. Across six articles and over thirty thousand words, they slowly began to build up a picture of an incredible lunar civilization. Initially, the articles detailed red flowers growing among rivers and forests, before hinting at Aztec-style pyramids rising above that the you trees. Said Aztec. I thought and, you were saying Asda. Asda-style pyramids. <laughs> Pyramids, just, just, yeah, just a pile of tins of, of beans, <laughs> pies. <laughs> yeah, an enormous pyramid of lager before a major sporting <laughs> yeah. event. <laughs> and all the aliens are fat As and the... common. <laughs> I'm amazed you've never met anyone who likes Piers Morgan. <laughs> so, um. Yes, as the instalments uh, of the article went on, he observed goat-like yeah. monsters it is Asda. tapping their po- tapping their back pockets and saying, "That's <laughs> oh, Asda Price." Sorry. Yeah. I jumped in. <laughs> no, 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 I hadn't. I no, <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> for our American Asda's. listeners, do you think Asda and Walmart are a good comparison? Uh, yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to let us get down this rabbit hole because it's shit chat, <laughs> and we've got the moon to talk about, Tom. Uh, not only were there goat-like monsters uh, <laughs> going around the frozen prawn section, uh, unicorns roamed free and giant tailless beavers walked on their wow. hind legs <laughs> and prowled the prairies looking for prey, uh, presumably scuttling centipede-like penises. <laughs> it's, it's this strange beaver anatomy knowledge you have. <laughs> uh, no, beaver is just a euphemism. Oh, I see what you mean. You're just using beaver as a euphemism. Got you. I am, yes. Got you. You, you were, okay, I see where you were going with that. Yes. Crude, lowbrow. <laughs> uh, yes, meanwhile, whilst all this happened, giant humans with bat wings flew around and built bizarre temples out of sapphires to unknown gods. <laughs> bat wings. They're in. <laughs> bingo wings. Not bat wings, they're bingo wings. <laughs> That's as the price. <laughs> yeah, maybe they pointed it the wrong way. Maybe they were just looking... Maybe they were just looking at Hull. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this bizarre moon civilization full of scary monsters and pyramids to unknown gods. The god Who is this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who is Saint Stella Artois? <laughs> <laughs> and his prophet Aranjaboom. <laughs> <laughs> A lager so cheap you can only find it in corner shops. <laughs> they honour the god George by wearing his clothes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and lo, some of them come in and come out with pizzas, what they've made themselves and shit. <laughs> so these bat humans, these giant bats, uh, giant humans with bat wings, even had a Latin name, Tom. 
Vespertilio Homo, which literally means Batman. Batman. Moon so yes this was the the civilization which they detailed uh in exquisite detail and no one asked any questions well actually, some people asked questions but none of the morons reading the paper asked any questions about this they just assumed it was all true the paper apparently had always thought, had always assumed that it would be so ludicrous that no one would buy it uh as in buy into it but the, no they were wrong tom never underestimate the power of uh, a power of stupid ne- never, never underestimate a stupid and new yorker <laughs> There's a great quote. I can't remember who it's from. It's going to be. It's one of those ones that's attributed to a million different people. Uh, Mark Twain, dang uh, comedian who's always anyway. Um, Jeffrey Boycott, which <laughs> Jeffrey Boycott, Susan Boyle, <laughs> Henry the Eighth. Yeah, Henry the um, I was going to say Dan Carlin. It's not Dan Carlin. Obviously not Dan Carlin. Carl Danlin. <laughs> uh, think about how stupid the average person is, and then remember that half of them are stupid than that. <laughs> That's a good quote. That's a good quote. I've not, I've not good heard quote. that one before. That's good. Ah, oh, yeah, I can't remember who it's by. Barry White. Uh, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Think about how dumb the average person is and then... Go for them with chocolate. <laughs> and then oh, shove yeah. your body over there. <laughs> and then think about how stupid they are as you make love to their dumbass. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. I was going to say something really nasty there. <laughs> Go on. Okay, this might have to be edited out. <laughs> Think how stupid they are when you <laughs> penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's going to have to go. You can't have that. <laughs> yeah. Can't have that. It's a disgusting thing to encourage. Well, not that it's encouraging it, but. I don't think we're encouraging it, but yeah, we'll edit that out. But of course, Tom, such incredible. <laughs> How do we segue back from this? Let's just plough on blindly. But of course, Tom, such an incredibly powerful telescope has its dangers. So powerful was the glass lens, glass, that if the tiniest bit of sunlight struck it, it would burn anything it touched. And apparently one day they were looking at the uh, telescope for too long and the sun started to rise and it torched the observatory. Wow. In episode four of the series. Yep. And they just had their head exploded. You know, there was a Russian scientist once who accidentally stuck his head into a particle accelerator. Did he? Yeah. Nothing happened. Oh, is that right? <laughs> he saw some sparkles in his eyes, which was the protons hitting the um, hitting the sensors at the back of his eyes, hitting his rods and cones. And that was pretty much all that happened. Because <laughs> how much damage can a single atom-thick stream do? Exactly. Which is why None. I do it every weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just go down to the Large Hadron Collider and... Yeah, in CERN, CERN just, isn't it? Just surf, yeah. yeah. You just surf the, the beam. I just sit there. <laughs> ah, you hold, you hold your mouth open like a dog with a hose pipe. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, see? Not doing anything to me. Nothing. Oh, this <laughs> money invested in nothing. It. <laughs> doesn't even kill someone. What's the point? <laughs> I want my money back. Bloody European Union. M- I'm going to take this magnet. <laughs> that weighs 200 tons. Oh, well, I'm taking it. <laughs> Don't you try and stop me, Brian Cox, you dick. And while I'm here, scrap the licence fee. <laughs> <laughs> it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> Look at you with your left-wing science. <laughs> with your left bat wing. <laughs> smashing atoms rather than smashing Germany. Have you seen what Merkel's doing? 
It's the Nazis all over again. My granddad didn't die on the beaches in Normandy four times in three days. <laughs> on holiday. So that some bloody... In 1954, yeah. So that some bloody cheese-eating Frenchy Swissy types could smash atoms together <laughs> at great speed. Mysteries of the universe. I'll tell you what the mysteries of the universe are. Don the invade. queen of football. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's going on here. The Daily Mail said... <laughs> Oh, I have got cancer now from sticking my head in the beam. Well, they were right about that. Um, of course, Tom, uh, all of this was was absolute horseshit. There was no telescope. It was all the invention of Sun reporter Richard A. Locke, who uh, admitted to the whole thing a few years later. He ostensibly created it for two reasons. Firstly, and he claimed more importantly, he claimed, to poke fun at the nonsense science that was being peddled by many supposed men of learning at the time, including recent claims of other moon civilizations, and one astronomer who claimed to have counted all four billion beings on the moon with the help of God. With the help of the Lord. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I can see, I can see one, I can see one Batman, two Batman, I can feel them coming inside me, the Batman's coming inside me. I can feel a beaver. I can feel a beaver <laughs> on my face. Two Get beavers. out. Get out. Two, three. Get out, Satan. <laughs> three beavers. Be gone, Satan. <laughs> I can feel a goat-like monster. Four, five, six, seven, eight goat-like monsters all over me. Oh, with their horny beasts. The horny yeah. beasts. <laughs> yeah. The Lord, the Lord told me to keep counting. <laughs> Rubbing my nipples with their cloven hooves. But I must keep counting. Mm. <laughs> out, Satan. Out, Satan. I thrust you away with my crutch. I thrust and I thrust and I thrust you away with my crutch. Mm, I can feel the Lord welling up inside me. <laughs> Get out, goat. Get out, goat. Get out, goat. Mm. <laughs> All over the, the carpet, goat. Out you go. <laughs> And I will douse thee in holy water. Holy water, I can feel the Lord coming inside me. I think I'm going to start speaking in tongues. Who is Jehovah? Mother Mary's titties. I've come. Um, this is, we've had some rather strange tangents already this episode, haven't we? We have, haven't we? Yes. Um, so yes, rather I, extensive as well. <laughs> I wish I'd written down the name of, uh, of said astronomer who, with the help of God, counted four billion individual beings on the it moon. It wasn't Dick Lock then. Which one was Dick Lock? It was the reporter. Uh, Dick Lock <laughs> was just a reporter. Right, okay. <laughs> he was just a reporter. He just made this one up. But said same astronomer who counted four billion beings uh, apparently worked out that there were twenty trillion beings in the solar system. There you go. Uh, you do the maths, Tom. You do the maths. He certainly did. Okay. Yeah. Partly, he claimed that um, that he was doing this to highlight and poke fun at nonsense science, although attributing the article to the greatest and most respected astronomer of the time did kind of cheapen that blow and, uh, and disguise it somewhat. Uh, secondly, and obviously just as a bonus, Tom, and really unimportantly to Locke, it was designed to sell a shitload of newspapers. Yes. And it absolutely did. It pushed the sun to the top of the readership charts in New York that summer. This sounds very Inf- much like that Instagram influencer who posts a picture of her with a without makeup on, 
just to show people how how honest I am and what I really look like. Oh, I'm so sincere. Oh, it yeah. Doesn't sound hugely like oh, that. Just but it sounds like you wanted gestures. to go on a rant. Insincere <laughs> gestures, actually, that are designed to uh, make money. Yes, that's what that's what I'm going for. <laughs> like, like this podcast. <laughs> we don't make any money, Sam, and it's most no, we don't. Sincere. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what is, what is it if you don't do it sincerely and you don't make any money out of it? Stupid. That's what it is. It's stupid. <laughs> We're just doing it to spice each other now. A waste <laughs> of time. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, a beautifully illustrated, it is a very, very pretty pamphlet. Actually, there's copies of it online. As accompanying the articles, which was published, you could buy for a penny through the paper, sold 60,000 copies in New York alone. Uh, only 16 are still known to exist. They're actually worth thousands of dollars now. Of course, not everyone bought into this hoax, and whilst it was very much the Sun's exclusive story, most of the other New York papers spent several editions and quite a lot of money trying to debunk the whole thing, because it was clearly nonsense. Uh, The public, though, as we've said, are quite easily swayed, and lapped the whole thing up, prompting a raft of con men, air quote, astronomers, to hold symposia and talks about the findings, which thousands and thousands of people attended. Herschel himself thought the whole thing was absolutely hilarious at first, although after a few years of requests for a statement or questions from idiots who thought he'd been forced into silence as part of a scientific community and government conspiracy and cover-up, he ended up getting quite frustrated and refused to talk about it at all. (laughs) Which, of course, only fueled the conspiracy theorists. (laughs) The final twist in the tale is that the uh, obviously very famous horror writer Edgar Allan Poe, who happened to be a friend of Richard Locke, insisted that the story was plagiarised from a short work he'd written, also apparently a newspaper hoax, about a man who took a hot air balloon to the moon, called The Unparalleled Adventures of One Hans Fahl. Unfortunately, no one bought into Poe's hoax because it was even more patently bullshit than Locke's. (laughs) So clearly, (laughs) the public stupidity lies somewhere between riding a hot air balloon to the moon is nonsense and looking at it through a telescope so powerful that it can burn down an observatory uh, and watching Batman flying around on the surface of the moon, completely believable. Goddamn, we're stupid, but we're not that goddamn stupid. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he pitched it to the bottom quarter of the uh, of the population. Um, anyway, the, uh, the article's ended with the telescope itself apparently burning itself to the ground the next time it caught a glimpse of sunlight. Obviously, no one else could... Uh, analyse the findings or duplicate the findings because there wasn't a telescope as powerful. Yeah, it's just been, yeah, all evidence of disappeared. Exactly, exactly. So there you go, Tom. There you go. That is the great moon hoax and the world's most powerful lens. It's a shame it never actually existed. Are there any pictures of this? Uh, of what was going on on the moon? Oh, yeah. And the artistic in this, Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the pamphlet that were, was published to accompany the paper was incredibly popular. You can find that online. Herschel's make believe. <laughs> that is lens. great moon hoax. Great moon hoax. Illustrations. Oh, good grief! There are creatures on the moon. Yes, there are, aren't there? Some quite fabulous pirouetting oh. Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Ta-da! I look glorious in my wings. <laughs> fabulous. But I am naked, building temples to lager and out of Ferrero Rocher. Just like a Tazda. <laughs> Actually, some of the, uh, yes, some of the human Batmen are, are quite kind of athletic and ripped, and uh, some are quite hairy and pudgy. <laughs> 
Oh, they're the ones that weren't and helping bit... to build the pyramids. No, there's they? one that looks very much like Rob Ross. <laughs> they were the foreman. Yeah, <laughs> they were middle management. Yeah, you build it. I'm not building it. I stand here telling other people to build it. <laughs> I'm the person to make sure it gets built by not building it. It was delegates. Delegates building responsibility. Mm. Anyway. Interesting. Well, that's the, yeah, that, that's the Great Moon Hoax. Well, 1835. Well and very, very tenuously linked to glass. It was, wasn't it? But I couldn't find anything else particularly fun. I felt, well, I didn't have to. Because my choice of subject was inspired by a message we received from Charlie, who's one of our patrons, regarding Hello, our episode on rivalries, where I discussed the War of the Roses. Tom owes you a beer, clearly. I, I probably do. I'll send one in the post. <laughs> opened. Poured Half out. opened, yeah. <laughs> will, Poured into the envelope. I will pour it into a jiffy bag. <laughs> nice. Oh, yes. That's, that's one of my favourite jokes, actually, of all time. And there's a, there's a couple Go of comedians who tell it, is... <laughs> When I heard that you could donate sperm through the post, I came in a jiffy. <laughs> oh, yes, nice. See what you did there. Um, anyway, Charlie pointed out that Henry VI, who had bouts of mental health, which we discussed in the episode... <laughs> bouts of mental health. ...inherited his mental health issues from his mother, Catherine de Voilard, who was always going around... Occasionally saying. Voilà. Voilà. <laughs> um, Catherine de Voilà. Can you stop doing that? What? Making things appear in front of me, Catherine. Okay. Voila. Oh, I see where you're going. Catherine de Voila. Maybe she, father. When she when when she did make things appear, were they small quiches and bits of pastry with mushroom in them? Was she uh, was she okay. Catherine the Voila Vont? Voila. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. That is, I was trying to. What I was working out. I was trying to work out what you were going for. <laughs> A joke as tenuous as my link to the topic. And it doesn't rhyme at all with Voila. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, Catherine de Voilà's father was Charles VI of France, and he also suffered from mental health issues, including a vague condition known as glass delusion. Oh. So thank you, Charlie. She also pointed out that Henry V of England died shitting himself on com- campaign in France. He had dysentery and was so weak towards the end of his life that he was carried around in a litter. And by litter, I mean a sedan chair carried by subjects. <laughs> not, not, not a litter tray. Yes, not cat litter. <laughs> yeah. Possibly could have he helped. He's shitting himself so much. Yeah. I have some standards. I have dysentery, but I must cover it. <laughs> I'll just, I must cover just, my poo I'll just litter. shit on a pleb. And... <laughs> Bring me a pleb. <laughs> Plop on the pleb. My favourite childhood game. <laughs> yeah. We used to play it back in the day. Plop on the pleb. <laughs> poo on a peasant. Sitting in an apple tree. <laughs> What? But it was time to harvest the apples and we would plop on the plebs. This is the second time in about three weeks that you've done a segue into shitting people from trees. <laughs> trees. Why not, Sam? We've all got to live, haven't we? We do. Um, so let's talk more about Charles VI of France oh, as yes, Sam let's. yawns. <laughs> um, he reigned from 1380 to 1422 and was um, the man in charge when the French got a spanking at the Battle of Agincourt. But we're not here to discuss his reign in general. We want to know why he went from being called Charles the Beloved to Charles the Mad. Oh. Charles is a He could be beloved and mad. Yes. Like uh, Brian Blessed? Yes. Yeah, just yeah. like Brian Blessed. Yeah. In 1392, he led a campaign against the Duke of Brittany because uh, the Duke was sheltering someone who had murdered a friend of the king. As the king and his men marched north, they encountered a begging leper. 
Spare a talent for an old ex-leper. <laughs> I was cured, sir. Yes, sir. A bloody miracle, sir. Good bless you. I thought you were going to go with a uh, begging leopard. <laughs> Spare a penny for a one-armed drummer, sir. <laughs> haven't haven't earned a <laughs> haven't earned a dime since the eighties. <laughs> Could you spare a monkey for an old ex-leopard? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a jungle out there, sir. I'm struggling to survive. Struggling to make ends meet. Meat? I want meat. Give me some meat. You got any meat? <laughs> I can't change my spots, you see. I'm a leopard. Yes. Um, uh, no, not really. None of that. Uh, oh. This leper shouted at the king uh, that he was being betrayed <laughs> and that he should turn around and go home. Shouted at the king. Oh, you cunt. <laughs> Give me my fingers back. <laughs> Have this. I don't know. I can't see what you're doing. That, the old v- you haven't got any fingers. The V sign doesn't work. <laughs> no, the wanker sign doesn't really work either. Because <laughs> you haven't got any fingers. Um... So this leper was obviously very persistent, despite his lack of feet and hands, and followed all the king's horses and all the king's men for about half an hour <laughs> until Humpty Dumpty, sorry, I mean Charles the Sixth, <laughs> crushed him falling from a wall. <laughs> crushed, crushed him while shitting from an apple tree. <laughs> They've changed that bit of the uh, changed that bit of the poem to make it more family friendly. Humpty Dumpty shut off a wall. Humpty, Humpty Dumpty, Dumpty had a great fall whilst wiping his ass with a piece of moss. <laughs> Humpty. <laughs> At shitting out of trees, Humpty Dumpty was the boss. <laughs> yeah. Humpty Dumpty sat up a you. Humpty Dumpty did a big poo. As he bent round, <laughs> he fell to the ground, spraying eggshell and shit all around. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ruined the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> and all the king's um, horses and all the king's men had to queue up for the shower again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so uh, yeah, so Charles the, the sixth. Dumpty did a big crap on Charles the sixth. This head it did slap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so so Charles the sixth, who has already been showing, uh, who had already been showing signs of being slightly nuts, began lashing out at his retinue. Eventually, being wrestled to the ground and pinned there, uh, where he went into a coma, but not before he'd killed a knight, the wonderfully oh. named bastard Apollinac, <laughs> who I guess nobody minded. Because uh, nobody minded him killing because he was a bastard. He drank all the cognac. Yes, nobody. <laughs> yes, he was a dick when drunk. <laughs> that bastard of Polignac. <laughs> um, this incident was the first of 44 periods of inertia, violence and or confusion in Charles's life. Oh. He was generally having a psychological episode uh, for psych- psychological, psycho... He was basically having a nut- nutty episode... Uh, for three to nine months, then he'd have three to six months of sanity and then back to being unwell again for the rest of his life. There was a period when the king was convinced he was St. George and another time he refused to bathe or change his clothes for five months. This condition is commonly known as first term at university. Yes, yes being a teenager. <laughs> there were also times when he would run around his residence in Paris like, well, he a man ban. Um, so yes, he used to have all these episodes, but the psychosis we're most interested in is when Charles VI suffered from glass delusion. Mm. In a nutshell, Charles VI thought he was made of glass and could shatter it at any moment. He apparently had rods of iron sewn into his clothing to stop him from shattering, and he wandered around, keeping very clear of anything he felt might smashing him up, like games of swing ball, kids playing with yo-yos, and people skimming stones at the beach. <laughs> yes. Kids playing football, f- yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Walking the dog. <laughs> um, um, he lay in the bed for long periods covered in thick blankets, just trying to stop himself from smashing. Did he occasionally, uh, in slapstick films, let two men carry him <laughs> across a road <laughs> whilst Buster Keaton drove, <laughs> <laughs> drove past <laughs> a small car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, glass delusion was uh, common enough during the early modern period to have its own name, glass delusion. Um, <laughs> Princess Alexandra of Bavaria, a 19th century figure, thought that she had swallowed a glass grand piano as a child. She would walk sideways through doorways and not make sudden movements for fear of the piano shattering. Right. She thought she'd swallowed a grand piano. Yeah, a glass one. Right. Very Liberace. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, how fabulous. (laughs) Did she also swallow a tiny crystal Elton John? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> every time, every time she sat down to have a <laughs> sat down and opened her bowels, she just kind of hit. Everything is gonna be a long, long time. <laughs> just gently emanating from the bowl. And I guess this is when you want to do poos. <laughs> oh, I'll here we go. A hand because I'm stuck up here too. <laughs> yes, you pushing and squeezing. I'm going to kick it. <laughs> Helping your turd out into the bog sink. <laughs> and I guess that's why you wanted a poo. <laughs> this one's quite runny. <laughs> Jules Holland shouts who to nanny. Because Jules Holland, he's up here too. <laughs> <laughs> and so is John Mayer. The guitar player. <laughs> the guitar isn't glass. He just crawled up your ass. <laughs> he was attracted to your Ringo star. <laughs> and stings up here at the weekend. Stings on the way in. Stings on the way out. <laughs> no, I'm not. Or am I? <laughs> I'm an undercover sting. <laughs> I'm an undercracker sting. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway. Throw back to a couple of episodes ago. Um, I had a joke in my notes about uh, her tummy rumbling honky tonk, but anyway. <laughs> I like that. Um, Cervantes, of Don Quixote fame, wrote a short story oh. about a, la- a lawyer who thought he was made of glass in 1600. You'd be very careful around the judge's gavel, wouldn't you? What's a, what's a judge's gavel? Gavel, the hammer. Oh, the hammer, yes, Being yes. made of glass and what, what, like you are, what? Got you, yes, 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 what, 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 got you. I thought you said gavel. I thought I was going to learn something new here. <laughs> Rare, rarely, if ever. Judge's gavel. Um, <laughs> it sounds like where judges sit and drink tea and just bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a stitch, a stitch and bitch. But... Yeah, but with, du- with, with, with judges. With judges. <laughs> with wigs on. <laughs> A sentence and bitch. <laughs> um, so yes, Huygens, I think I pronounced his name, he's a Dutch poet, um, wrote the following. Uh, sorry, he, he had a poem in which a man, quote, fears everything that moves in his vicinity. The chair will be the death of him. He mm-hmm. trembles at the bed, fearful that one will break his bum and the other smash his head. <laughs> um, John Locke. Yes, I like that. Uh, the philosopher and I think economist, wasn't he? And René Descartes. 
philosopher, also referred to people who think they are made of glass in some of their works. Related, mm. but not exactly the same, Johann Beecher, a German scientist and alchemist from the same period, concerned himself with the possibility of turning people into glass when they died so that their relatives could surround themselves with glass effigies of loved ones, presumably in the positions they adopted as they died. Oh, there's Uncle George. He died when he was knocked off a bike by a freight train. He doesn't stand up very well on account of the wild positioning of his limbs, so we decided <laughs> to hang him from the ceiling. And that's Granny Wilma. There's a chandelier. <laughs> and that's Granny Wilma. She had a heart attack whilst trying to push out a stubborn poo. She was always constipated, too many cups of tea, too many biscuits, and not enough prunes. We did tell her we had a special glass toilet made for her statue. <laughs> Went dark. <laughs> Did you know, on a factual note, though, something I discovered in my research this week, there is one victim from Pompeii whose brain was turned to glass by the heat. Wow. Inside his, pe- inside his petrified skull, they found the remnants of his brain and the neurons, apparently, which have silica in them, I think, were, were melted into glass and fused together. Glass brain. Glass brain. There's a Marvel comic. The man with the glass brain. <laughs> or a Poirot. <laughs> yes. I can uh, think clearly now. The pain has gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. Nice. Apparently it was common for sufferers to only think that part of their body was made from glass. Interestingly, the buttocks were common amongst men and sufferers really? would wander around with heavily padded undies or cushions in case they needed to sit down. Oh, I know that so I know why, that feel. <laughs> well, I'm going to come on to that, Sam, as my own little theory. So why glass and not something else that shatters easily, like the hopes of England football fans or the bravado <laughs> of a middle-aged man? An individual might feel like everyone ignores them. Like, it was quite philosophical, wasn't it? Then? It was. Although, do you know what? After the behaviour of England fans, quite a lot of England fans, it has to be said, at the weekend, we didn't deserve to win. <laughs> In retrospect, we're glad we didn't. Yes. Um, an individual might feel like... It, it, you're true. It's true, actually. There were a lot of very badly... Bad, it wasn't just the racist comments, which were probably a, a very small minority, but they were all breaking into Wembley and just generally... I know. Being I, know. I don't know why we're sounding surprised. <laughs> yeah. Because this is England and this is what we do. Yeah. Uh, where was that? Where was that? Where was that? An individual might feel like uh, everyone ignores them, like the glass in a window, or perhaps an individual felt like everyone... Uh, knows everything about them. Their thoughts and emotions were trans- were transparent. Mm. Most obviously, it seems to be closely connected to anxiety or, or melancholy, as it used to be called. Um, slightly different things, I think. But anyway, an individual feels vulnerable, glass is vulnerable, obviously. More simply still, it could be that an individual wants some bloody peace and quiet and has heard about another nobleman who successfully managed to get the courtiers to fuck off and leave him alone by pretending he is made of glass. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case on a number of occasions. <laughs> I also feel, this is my own little theory, that the explanation in many cases could be much simpler. In a time when Western medicine was in its infancy and the language of medical discourse was in its infancy too, individuals could have just been saying that a certain body part felt like it was made of glass as a way of expressing pain and vulnerability. For example, glass buttocks could just be someone with sciatica or piles. Yes. Um, someone with a glass arm could have tennis elbow or someone with a glass piano in the stomach could have Crohn's disease. Crohn's <laughs> um, <laughs> disease. Crohn's Kron- disease. <laughs> The farting crooner. (laughs) Now there's an act I'd see. (laughs) Tell me to the moon and let me 
<laughs> play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on. I did a fart. <laughs> In other news, <laughs> I can't I eat wheat. <laughs> In other news, I'm gluten free. <laughs> 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 nice. Ah, uh, yeah, Kruner's disease. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, when I was researching the topic, I did feel that maybe the psychiatrists who have been um, researching glass delusion have been overthinking many of the documented cases of glass delusion. Um, so, what was the solution to someone with glass delusion? What a cracking question, Sam. Well, uh, just close some curtains around them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> Um, well, there are a few historical examples of how it was treated. Uh, one sufferer, who slept on a bed of straw, was locked in his bedroom and had the straw set alight. The sufferer ran to the door and <laughs> banged at the door and begged for it to be opened. The doctor then asked the sufferer why he wasn't shattering with all the violent movements. The sufferer replied, quote, I don't know where this quote came from. Fuck off, my room's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't time to I... prove a point. <laughs> I don't think I am a glass vase, but just the most miserable of all men, especially if you let this fire put an end to my life. Um, and fuck off. <laughs> um, another doctor treated a man with glass buttocks by whipping them with a cane. When the man's buttocks didn't shatter, he was apparently cured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, at this point, wives. he caught a kink, yes. <laughs> yes. Who's that in bed with you, darling? Oh, it's the doctor. It's the doctor. <laughs> He's inspecting my glass buttocks. Yes, he's using his little uh, little reflex hammer on them. That's what that repeated <laughs> tapping noise is. The movement under the covers. Oh, God. Here you go now, dear. I wish to go to bed. Ooh, ooh, ooh. She just keeps on hitting me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> As the goat runs out from under the covers. <laughs> Um, anyway, I say does glass delusion still exist? Well, there have been examples in the last hundred years, but I don't think this is particularly useful when we think about the size of the population being studied here, i.e. anyone who has had a psychiatric problem and has had their condition assessed and recorded. So yes, there have been a number of nutters who thought part of them was made of glass, but probably fewer than the number of people who have claimed to be Elvis or a prophet. Or Kink Wumple Sausage, the big eared from the land of Schlup, ploppy, ploppy, ping pong. <laughs> Beautiful. Regardless, the condition did seem to peak in the early modern period and then died out. Interestingly, as it disappeared, a new condition seemed to arise, which was called cement delusion. The same thing, just a different material. I couldn't find out anything more about cement delusion, unfortunately. It could be that glass delusion coincided with glassware being more widespread in the homes of wealthy people, which I feel supports my minimally researched argument that people experiencing pain or fragility were just using glass as a way of describing their condition. Yes. Um, Glass has, of course, been around for thousands of years. The ancient Egyptians had glass marbles, and the Greeks and Romans developed glass moulding techniques. Glass blowing was invented in Syria in the first century AD. However, it was in the early modern period, at the time of these cases of glass delusion, that glass glass ornament making became more sophisticated. Was glass blowing only invented in the first century AD? Yeah, Syria, yeah. It's in Uh. um, my Encyclopedia Britannica has a picture of from a, from a, a manuscript of Sir John Mandeville of, uh, of glass blowers, which I thought was a cool little picture when I was researching this. Um, but yeah, glass was still a luxury item, mind you, so it wouldn't have been um, common in most people's homes, but it wouldn't have been uncommon in houses of the wealthy. So there you go. Uh, glass delusion, and thank you, Charlie, for setting me up with that one, because it meant I had to do fuck all research at the start. I just went straight <laughs> in with that one. 
Easy peasy. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Charlie. Great, great find. And thank you, Tom, for bringing it to life. Thank you. What a weird thing. What a yeah. There's not so queer as folk. I mean, that's unfair to say because it's a genuine mental illness uh, that people possibly just couldn't vocalise well. But um, very odd. Glass nipples. <laughs> just like that kind of puckered glass you get on toilets. Yeah, yeah, puckered glass you get on toilets. <laughs> Episode title. Um... Oh yes. <laughs> Should we think of a topic for next week? What do we got? Um, well, next week's a patron episode, so we need to come up with one ourselves. Le patron. Le patron. How about gardening? Well, we've done. No, no, we've done vegetables before, haven't we? Yeah, I think we've done vegetables. I don't think we've done gardening. All right, okay. This is a chance for you to tell all your fascinating anecdotes about, about slugs. Slugs and uh, okay. best ways to apply pellets. <laughs> the garden. So next week, then it will be a patron episode all about gardening, and then we're having three. Weeks then we're off. having three weeks off as a summer break. I'm afraid, audience. So Tom's going on holiday for a week, and then he's back for a week, and he's off for a week, and I'm off in the week that he's back. Oh, so, uh, so uh, unfortunately, it's a three-week, three-week summer break. We do apologise. I might see if we can string something together for you in the interim. Maybe give you one of the old patron episodes to to tide you over for the public. What a nice gesture. It is a nice gesture. I haven't asked the patrons. They'll probably lynch me for that. Uh, if you'd like to become one of the patrons, then you can. Or if you I get can... bobbing in one of the baths. <laughs> yeah. At three in the morning, very Michael Barrymore-esque. Yes, just uh, floating in the tepidarium. So, uh, yes, if you want to join the Order of the Bath, uh, our patron-exclusive offer, then you can at patreon.com slash thatwasgenius, where for only three, four, or five pounds a month, or equivalents in your local currency, you can get exclusive episodes every other week. You also get some songs, some medals, and doodles of every episode, lovingly crafted by Tom. Mm. That's patreon.com slash thatwasgenius, in, uh, yes, in the traditional artist medium of Perrault. <laughs> Very exclusive. In the meantime, uh, do let us know if you've got any episode suggestions. You can get in contact with us on social media. Just search for That Was Genius. Uh, or you can join our meme group on Facebook, That Was Genius, a funny history podcast group. And you can also message us via our website, thatwasgeniuspodcast.com. Uh, right, I think that's about it, isn't it, Tom? Yes. Good. Bye, everyone. Bye.